So cool to be here, so cool to have an opportunity to share with you this evening, and uh, hopefully I'm clear with what I've got to say. First of all, I just want to express huge thanks to Ellen and Eleanor for such a great church. It's been such a huge part of our journey over the last four years, and it's been nurturing, loving, and vibrant, and it's part of our story. So um, for tonight, I'm going to share with you a little bit about my journey over the last four years, but so I'm Sean. Um, I'm married to the lovely Rochelle, and we have two wonderful girls, Brayer and Jaslyn, uh, honourable mentions. Um, and I'm currently a, a high school teacher. I'm head of technology at Mount Monganui College. Go Mount. Um, I've been teaching nearly 20 years. Uh, when I say that, I just feel so old. Um, uh, and my church, my church journey is a bit of a tapestry uh, all up. I start off in the Brethren Church, uh, then work my way into the Baptist Church, now in a Pentecostal church. So I'm, I've kind of got the title of a Bretho Baptocostal. So it's kind of well grounded, I think. Um, our C3 journey started about four years ago, and it's been quite pivotal in our lives, and it's been quite um, transformational being part of this place. Tonight I want to share a little bit of my journey over those past four years. I describe these years as a journey from hurt to healing. We arrived at C3 as a family hurting and broken and pretty much just needing a place to hide. Uh, we'd been through a number of experiences that had left us with more questions, more wounds and more confusion than we'd had before in our lives. I wasn't in a good place. I also had feelings of bitterness and anger towards a number of people who had caused hurt in my life. This pain left us in a place as a family where we felt quite isolated and quite lonely. Unbeknown to us at this time, it was soon to become amplified as we were about to head into COVID restrictions and lockdowns. Uh, during all this time, I felt an overwhelming pressure to keep my family on track spiritually which meant forcing us as a family to do church online. It was a duty, not a relationship. We will do church and you will enjoy it and you will sing. Stand up, sing. <laughs> I was supposed to be the spiritual leader in the home, and yet at this point in my life, I just didn't even want to be in church. This was a very interesting and challenging time for us as a family. As we navigated our way through the COVID restrictions, we realized we actually needed to start searching for a new church community. During this period, I found it challenging to engage with my faith. I struggled to pray, and I even struggled to read my Bible. Given that the church had been a significant part of my life since pretty much day one, born on the mission field, missionary kid, go whoop. Um, any other mission kids around here? No? Cool. Okay. Pastor's kids? Yeah, a few. Um, it was a struggle to have that shift. It was a major part of my life. It was a major part of my normal. I felt like I couldn't function. The areas where I'd been involved in church had been stripped away. I also found it hard to pray, as I said, and even read my Bible was difficult, things that I had done so easily before. During this time, I stumbled upon a Christian worship playlist on Spotify. Among the songs, one titled... Hallelujah, even here, by a lady called Lydia Leard, stood out to me and became a key song in my healing journey. 
the bread, the bridge in the song says, sometimes nothing left to give becomes your sweetest offering. And sometimes choosing just to sing is the thing that changes everything. It was at this time I started to realize and understand what it means in Hebrews 13 and 15, where it talks about actually bringing a sacrifice of praise. I would sing the song over as I traveled to work, sometimes in tears, don't recommend crying while driving, not a good idea. I would listen to other praise songs and I would sing and cry my way through them uh, as this was part of becoming my everyday life as I was dealing with my hurt and my healing. The hurt was so real that I found myself paralyzed in my faith. I was unable to operate as I once did. However, through listening to this song and others, I realized that it was okay to feel down. It was okay to be hurt, and it was okay to be low. All these emotions were real and valid and okay. What I, learned, what I soon learned and realized that that might be okay to feel that way, but it actually wasn't okay to stay there because if we don't deal with the hurt, the hurt will deal with us. I learned heavily, I leaned heavily on my family and close friends during this period, but I also realized the importance of sitting with Jesus in my pain, not trying to escape elsewhere. You see, taking your pain to Jesus is the best place to take it. That realization and a number of divinely orchestrated appointments led us to start attending C3. In education, uh, there is data that shows uh, if a student isn't present, their chances of success diminishes. It might seem quite obvious. There's a clear link between attendance and achievement. Those with a higher or consistent attendance rate tend to have higher achievement rates. Applying this principle to my situation, I made a conscious decision to show up. I decided to sort my attendance and be present as much as possible. Even though I didn't always want to be there, if someone invited me, I would say yes. Whether it was just to attend church on a Sunday morning or evening, uh, or to do the monthly prayer meeting, or go to the men's breakfast, or even reluctantly audition for the music team, I pushed myself to be present. And I might just add here that in the being reluctantly auditioned, being part of a team and serving in a team added greatly to my healing process. The interesting thing about this decision was that by showing up, I was putting myself, and more importantly, my family in the room. It was an intentional action. You see, if I wanted to lift my grades or improve my relationship and walk with God, I needed to be present in class or in his house. As Nick Klinkenberg said at our healing meetings a few months ago, we do what we can and we allow God to do what we can't. For me, what I could do was put myself in the room where God could minister to me. By doing so, I opened myself up to God's word 
Even when I struggled to open the Bible myself, I could hear the words when someone else would read them and take them on board. When they would read the Bible aloud or when they would preach it, I could hear it. I learned to respond to invitations for prayer, even when reluctant, because I realized my need for, my, my need for God more in my life. I also needed the support of others around me. And so I joined an awesome connect group. <clears throat> my church mantra became, just turn up. It was a conscious decision to be in the room, allowing God to minister to me. Through this intentional presence, I experienced unexpected revelations and found healing, slowly shedding the bitterness and anger that weighed me down. It wasn't a smooth, linear process. There were setbacks, confrontations with past hurts, but responding daily to those challenges gradually dissolved the pain. The scars remained, and they were a testament to the journey, but the hurt dissipated replaced by grace and the ability to minister to others. My encouragement tonight is sometimes merely showing up is what we need, and it's possibly the first step in our journey. In times of uncertainty or pain, just being present can pave the way for healing and divine intervention. When we don't understand why things are happening as they are, it's easy to see, the, it's easy to see in this day and age um, oh, sorry, it's easy in this day and age to isolate ourselves, opting only for a pick-and-choose buffet of podcasts and online church hopping rather than physically attending, physically being in the room. As we open ourselves up to these invitations and respond, God moved in ways I didn't expect. He worked in my life, bringing healing to my hurt. And like I said earlier, the scars remain, but the hurt soon fades away. God's grace, healing, and mercy are new every day, offering us an opportunity to grow as we journey with him. Through God's strength, I'm continuing to pursue healing and move past the pain into his amazing provision. In essence, <clears throat> my journey from hurt to healing echoes a fundamental truth. Attendance equals achievement. Sometimes just showing up opens doors to unimaginable healing, growth, and an encounter with our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. I'd like to invite Cheryl up. <clears throat> Tag team, pass the mic. Oh, that was so good. I was very, very impressed by that. Now I have to follow that. Um, funnily enough, I actually want to talk about uh, my journey of coming to be part of this church and how also being present in a room that I didn't want to be in led to a huge encounter with God. So it's amazing how God is moving, God is working. Hi, Catherine. So for those of you who don't know me, <laughs> sorry, Catherine's just walked in. Um, for those of you who don't know my, me, my name is Cheryl, and I have been part of this church for 22 years now. Um, it is the only church I have ever been a part of. I was saved into this church. Um, Ellen and Eleanor were my youth pastors when I first joined. There was red carpet and sticky brown chairs. Um, it looks way better now than it did back then. So if you've only joined in the last few years, you're very, very blessed. <laughs> um, I grew up in a non-Christian home, so I did not grow up with a Christian background. We moved around the country a lot because of my dad's work and 
by accident, um, we ended up in Tauranga, and I am so, so grateful that we did. Um, it was here at nine years old that we were first able to put down roots. And my story is really kind of over the next few years, so from kind of 10 to 13, um, things did not go super well for me. Um, because I wasn't in a Christian home, I didn't have the foundations that, um, that Sean may have had, that other people may have had, and I started going down some pretty bad paths. And I'm very aware that two of the people getting baptized tonight are 12 and 13, and so what I was doing at those ages versus what they're doing is very different, and I'm so proud of you guys for what you're doing tonight. That's so amazing. So from the years of 10 to 13, um, I struggled quite a bit. I felt like I didn't really fit in. Um, I had a lot of people telling me what was wrong with me. Um, We had a song in my family where people would sing through and list all the things that were wrong with me, and it would be sung to me regularly. Um, It sounds awful, but it was meant to be a joke, but not really a joke, really, when you think about it now. I had a lot of people telling me that I wasn't good enough. I had a lot of people telling me I'd never amount to anything. I had lots of people saying, why can't you be more like this person? Or why can't you be more like this person? I had boyfriends tell me that, oh, I love you so much, but you're just not as pretty as her. Or you're just not as funny as her. But it's all right, I do love you, but you're just not quite, I mean, I would really love to go out with her. So those were the kind of messages that I was hearing between the ages of 10 to 13. The message that I got loud and clear was that I wasn't enough and that I wasn't valued. So I started to try and prove myself by making dumber and dumber decisions. So I would go out late when I wasn't meant to. I would do things I wasn't meant to. I would start drinking things I wasn't meant to. I would start engaging with substances (laughs) that I wasn't meant to. I would start doing all these things to prove myself to a group of people who I thought were my friends and who I thought were looking out for me, but they weren't looking out for me. Everything seemed to be about going one step further, then one step further, And I let others determine my value by what I would do. By the time I was 14, so 14 years old, the same age as our drummer, um, I was involved in some pretty stupid things. I had a void in my heart that I was trying to fill with all these things. Um, I felt empty. I felt shame on the daily. I felt unwanted. I felt loved. That was the basis and the foundation of who I was. When I look back now... It was very obvious that I was searching for something, but I didn't think so at the time. Also, when I look back now, it was very obvious that God was looking out for me and protecting me and keeping me from much worse things that were out there. Um, So one night when I was 14 years old, I went out to a party, um, had a little bit too much to drink, and I do not remember that night at all, but I got found on the curb outside of my house by my dad. And got very, very grounded, (laughs) very, very grounded. Um, I had a big gash across my forehead from I don't know what. Um, My parents were very upset with me. They didn't know what to do. They were kind of lost. I was the middle child. My older sister was very responsible. My younger sister was very annoying, but I was the one who was doing everything wrong. (laughs) I woke up the next morning feeling so much shame So much shame that it was physically heavy, and I felt like I had walked around for the next few weeks with this weight upon my shoulders. But in that next week, a girl from school started talking to me about God, and I was not interested at all. I thought Christians were wrong. They had no idea what they were on about. Um, Funnily enough, it was actually Eleanor's sister 
who started talking about God, and she was kind, and she was persistent. So I listened, even though I didn't want to. And then the next week, another girl started talking to me about God, and she invited me to go along to a camp. And they didn't really know each other, but they were both going to the same camp. And I was had to explain, I'm really sorry I'm grounded, and then have to explain why I'm grounded. But they encouraged me to ask. So I asked my parents if I could go, and they said, which was a total miracle, that they would let me off my grounding to go to this camp. Only two weeks after that night had happened. Um, It was on the way to this camp called Onslaught that I found out it was a Christian camp. (laughs) So we were in the car going, there was a bunch of us, and I find out in the car. So I had a few choice words for the people driving us and for my friend who I thought had tricked me into it. But it turned out to be the best thing Best thing ever. God was definitely moving in my life, even if I didn't realize it and didn't see it. We, you have to go to the meetings. You can't sit in your room. So I went to the meeting on the first night. I sat on the very back row, and I pouted with my arms folded. Didn't listen to a thing that was said at all. And then right at the end, they held an altar call, and my friend grabs my arm and drags me up to the front. And I was like, no, what are you doing? I don't want to go. But we went up to the front, and everyone was standing there, and a whole bunch of people had their eyes closed. So I thought I'd better close my eyes too. So it was right then, on the 19th of October, 2001, just after 9 p.m. at night, that I closed my eyes and had an instant encounter with God. So the moment I closed my eyes, it was like I had actually opened my eyes, and God was standing right in front of me with his arms open wide. I can still see it 22 years later so clearly. The God who I didn't want to believe in and who I didn't realize had been pursuing me was right there and everything instantly shifted in my heart. I felt whole. I felt loved. I felt like I had a place and I knew that my life had been changed all in that one moment. So I left that altar call a completely different person and immediately started living my life a different way. Well, not immediately. I remember being kicked out of the voice cabins by Grace and Blue. <laughs> Mostly living my life. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> um, one key thing to know, though, is that my life did not get better overnight. So when I got back to school on the Monday morning, I was really excited. I told all my friends, and every single one of them decided they didn't want to be friends with a Christian. So I lost all of my friends on the Monday morning. So I had just decided that I am changing my life, I am moving this way, and then suddenly I was all alone. That I had no support, that I, well, I thought I had no support. But it's different now, because I had God on my side. And he not only helped me to find new friends, but over time repair those old friendships. Um, I started my new life as a Christian, but being a Christian does not mean that your life is perfect. It doesn't mean that things will automatically be better for you than anyone else. It means that you are not alone in the things that you face and that we all have value as a child of God. But value is something that I have taken a very long time to learn. I may have changed my life pretty drastically, but I still had people telling me that I'm not good enough, still singing me the song of everything that's wrong with me, still telling me that they wish I would be different. Even one of the boys in youth said, I know God loves you, but you're a lot of hard work. (laughs) It's all right. He's actually still here. It's fine. (laughs) So the message that I received loud and clear was that... I was only valuable as long as I was helpful. When I was helping people and when I was useful, then they saw value in me. Then it was fine for me to be around. But as soon as I stopped being useful or helpful, I was no longer valuable and I lost friendships. 
This would often lead me spiraling into some pretty dark thoughts if I thought I couldn't be as useful as I should be. But the thing that saved me through all of this time was that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that God loved me. That was a foundation in my heart and that has never shaken and that has never changed. Whenever I took my eyes off him and tried to prove to others, it would lead to heartache. I was trying to increase my value in a place where value was never meant to be measured. So for example, just an example to help with this, um, we all know that money has a value and in the right place, that value means something. But if you take New Zealand money overseas, its value plummets. When money is in the wrong position, its value is only as much as someone else thinks it is. So you can put it in the right position by bringing it back to the right country or taking it to the currency exchange, but in the wrong place, in the wrong position, that value is only what someone else thinks. And so when I was positioning myself under, okay, what do these people think? My value plummeted. And I would have to reposition myself under, no, I know what God thinks of me. Thankfully, God is patient and consistent. When I went through darker periods thinking I was useless and unworthy of love, he would position people around me to encourage me, and he would remind me of where my value should really be measured. The creator of a coin stamps that coin to show where it belongs, and God put a stamp on my heart to mark me as his child. And that's what determines my value, not by what others say, but what he has said. And I was valuable enough for God to send his own son to die in my place so that I could have life in abundance. That was a heavy price to pay, but God thinks I'm valuable enough to pay it, and you are too. I want to leave you with a verse, um, which I love, and it's from Lamentations 3, verse 19 to 24. It says, I remember how I suffered and wandered. I remember how bitter my life was. I remember it very well. My spirit is very sad deep down inside me. But here is something else I remember, and it gives me hope. The Lord loves us very much. So we haven't been destroyed. His loving concern never fails. His great love is new every morning. Lord, how faithful you are. I say to myself, the Lord is everything I will ever need, so I will put my hope in him. All right, come on up, Lee. Well done, you. How good, eh? Let's give her another round of applause, eh? And Sean as well. Amazing. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Lee. For those of you that do know me, my name is Lee. And I'm married to Teresa and my daughter Isabel is my daughter, not I'm married to my wife and my daughter. That came out wrong, didn't it? So what I want to do tonight is share a little bit about my testimony and then a reflection. And it's no mistake that God's kind of knitted it all together as we go through this tonight. I grew up in a little town called um, Ketapehi um, in the 80s. And I th- when I Googled it, there was like 758 people that grew up there or that lived there. So it was a very small town. My dad was a fitter and turner at the dairy factory and my mum did a number of uh, different jobs like picking strawberries and she's actually just retired after 25 years of working at the Ingham's Chicken Factory. Wow. Amazing, eh? And so we didn't have a lot growing up. Um, we didn't do a lot. We didn't go anywhere. We, I remember a big trip would be going to Monaco City. Um, that was a big trip for us. We once went to Kelly Tarleton's, and my dad saw the prices, and we walked out. <laughs> Seriously, which is pretty shameful when you... Um, but we didn't want for much. Like we, we had food and things like that, but we didn't have a lot. It was a very modest upbringing. 
And this is how God knits it together. Just like Cheryl, when I was, I was a rat bag as a kid. That's not the link I'm making. Um, <laughs> I, was a, I was a rat bag, and I think that's probably why my parents sent me to um, Karanga Christian Camp. And when I was 12 years old at a Christian camp, I gave my life to God. And my, my family wasn't a Christian family, and they're still not. I'm praying for them. And so it was completely foreign to them. I don't know what they were expecting, send a kid to a Christian camp. They come home a Christian, you think? And I remember going home, and I, and I think I've shared this before, and I said grace for the first time, and my dad laughed at me at the dinner table because it was just like, what are, you, what are you on about? So it wasn't a Christian family, and it wasn't supported, and I kind of had to figure that out on my own. I had a um, good relationship with my mum, but I, I have never had a great relationship with my dad. And so um, I've never... Um, I've never, I don't even, I can't remember whether my dad's ever hugged me. Maybe he did when I was a little kid, I don't know. But I've never had a hug from my dad. My dad's never told me that he's loved me. And it's been something that's been a real gap um, in my life. But if I'm, to, if I'm to pay him out the bad stuff, I've got to give him his dues, that, then that's helped shape me into what I put as a priority on being a father to my kids and the relationship that I have with them. So I'm really blessed in that regard. You've got to be mindful of that, eh? You can't just say, this person did this to me and just focus on the bad. There's always something good that comes from that. I was very lucky, though. I had a wonderful relationship with my grandfather. So my nana and granddad, my mum's parents, were awesome. And they, we lived in Ketapehi, and they lived in Thames, and I used to go and stay with them a lot. And we'd do Sunday drives up the Thames coast, and nana would always make, like, uh, lunch for us, um, and we would stop and we would have lunch together. I remember going for early morning walks with my granddad because that's what he liked to do up the main street of Thames. <clears throat> and I, all I remember is that that was cool hanging out with my granddad. Like, I don't, I don't remember him having an expectation of anything from me. All I felt like was with this time that we had together that I felt really valued and really loved by him and it was unconditional. And the, the thing that sticks in my mind the most is when he would come to my rugby games. So I think my dad might have come to one or two, and my mum was there, but I don't remember seeing my mum on the sideline. I remember seeing my granddad. And I'd look to the sideline, and I'd see my granddad, and I remember how, how good that made me feel, and then how much I'd try to play better because my granddad was watching, and it was just really special, really wonderful. What I realize now is that that was a, a picture, if you like, a glimpse of the Father's love for us. And I really thank God for that, that, that I had that presence in my life. And then as I was sharing this with Isabel, because I always run my um, sermons or messages past her, she reminded me that that's actually just not even, it's only a glimpse, right, of God's love, that God's love is so, so huge and that we can't understand that. And so she gave me um, a verse, which is Ephesians three seventeen to 20. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all saints, to grasp how wide and long and how high and deep the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Isn't that amazing? So how wide and how long, how deep and how high is the love of Christ and to know that God's this this love surpasses all knowledge so we can't even understand it it's mind-blowing so I got a glimpse of that with my granddad's love but God's love is so much bigger than that 
So that's amazing. And I, I, what I've learned is when you get a little bit older is that you, you have more revelations. And I've realized that God's always been constant. God's got this massive love for us, and he's always here. And in my life, I've been, at, at times I've been closer to him, and then at times I've moved away. And in those times, I realized that I've filled that gap with guilt, with a guilt about sin, guilt about not being close enough with God. And I've interpreted that as being like a barrier to get back to God. But that's a lie. That's a lie of the devil. The truth is that God is constant, that he loves you so much that all you need to do is take a step back. There's no barrier to coming back to God. He's always there. And my key verse tonight before Isabel um, added to it was Deuteronomy 31.6. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So he's, he's there. That's his promise. He won't forsake you. And if you um, Google it, which I do, because I could have looked it up in a dictionary, but, and you look at what forsake means, another way to interpret that is abandon. So he will never abandon us. Or renounce or give up something valued or pleasant. And you were just talking about um, being valued. And so he's not going to give you up because you're so valued. So he loves you more than you can comprehend. And it's because you're so valued that he sent his son to die for us. That's how much he valued us. He's not going to leave you because he values you. That's how much he loves us. So he won't leave us or forsake us. And I'm wearing the All Blacks jumper tonight because there's a bit of a link there. You know, we've, the All Blacks didn't win the World Cup. I don't know if you've caught up on the news. Um, and then there's the Warriors, and then, you know, no one likes the Warriors and, until, they're, until they're winning. Oh, that's good. Thank you, Luke. Um, but the, the point is that God's up in heaven, and he's wearing a supporter's jersey, and it's got Marcy's name on the back and number one, because in God's eyes, Marcy's number one. And God's up in heaven, he's wearing a supporter's jersey, and it's got... Rebecca's name on the back and number one because Rebecca is number one in God's eyes. And God's up in heaven, he's wearing a supporter's jersey and it's got Village's name on the back and he's number one in God's eyes because we're all number one. He's our supporter. And just like my granddad was on the sideline, God's on the sideline of your lives. And he's there, he's in your corner. He's never going to leave you. That's what it says in his word. He'll never leave you or forsake you because you're valued. 